athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're tuned into the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a good show for you today. As a matter of fact, we're going to go to Tallahassee and talk with first-year Florida A&M head football coach Willie Simmons here on the program. I'll tell you, Florida A&M has won two straight ball games in a big 55-14 victory over North Carolina Central this past Saturday in Durham. That was a shocker. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, I never saw that coming. And uh, now, I, I, you know, to me... Florida A&M, and, and I've said this on the program probably also, well, not probably, but also in the HBCU Football Daily Podcasts, as well as our MEAC preview, that I thought that Florida A&M was a sleeper football team. I thought that they were going to be near the top of the MEAC when it was all said and done. They have two, uh, well, coming into the season, two really things going uh, for the Rattlers. A, they had an elite type of quarterback in Ryan Stanley, who showed his eliteness against North Carolina Central, completed 13 of 18 passes, 254 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. He was named one of our box-to-row national players of the week. And then they also had Willie Simmons coming in as the head football coach, uh, an offensive guru, offensive coordinator at Alcorn State, head football coach at Prairie View A&M, and, and really had some good years at Prairie View, just could not get over the hump with Grambling and Southern, but I think he's in a good situation at Florida A&M. And they got a big football game against Norfolk State. It is homecoming in Tallahassee. So Willie uh, Willie Simmons, the head football coach at Florida A&M, going to join us today here on the program. Got a lot to get to. Want to review a lot of what happened on last week. I thought, I thought last week, uh, week five of the HBCU football season was – Absolutely splendid. We had some big matchups, some big wins. You know, um, I, 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 you know, I'm just excited to really talk about that and also talk about some of the games upcoming this weekend. I, you know, the schedule this weekend not as exciting. Um, you, you got a couple of matchups. You know, I think the Norfolk State and Florida A&M matchup is a good game. It's going to be a good game again. It's homecoming in Tallahassee, Norfolk State is a team that's on the rise as well, 3-1 and one on the season. They are winners of their last two ball games as well. So, again, going to talk some HBCU football today on the program. Speaking of a game that happened last week, Tennessee State and Vanderbilt. Tennessee State went toe-to-toe with Vanderbilt, losing that. Matter of fact, they came back from a 24-13 deficit to take a 27-24 lead in the fourth quarter, couldn't hold it, and ultimately fell to Vanderbilt 31-27. to And while I realize that Vanderbilt is not one of the upper echelon teams in the SEC, as a matter of fact, probably one of the bottom feeders in the SEC, the fact of the matter is when you can play that kind of game against a Power 5 school, not just a Power 5 school, but the SEC probably the best Um, the strongest, the best conference in college football. And you can play a game like that against a school in that conference. That's really saying something. They have a game this weekend against Austin P. It's a conference game as they get back to conference play, meaning the Tennessee State Tigers. So want to talk um, about Tennessee State. Also, speaking of Tennessee State, our hearts uh, and our prayers definitely are with Christian Abercrombie's a linebacker for Tennessee State and uh, really a routine play in the ball game. He went uh, from all the accounts that I read. He went and made a tackle was a pretty 
routine tackle, wasn't anything out of the ordinary, wasn't a big hit or anything like that. He went to the sideline and then collapsed. And um, he was taken to Vanderbilt Medical Center where he was treated. Um, he, uh, surgery was performed. And um, he continues to be in critical condition, continues to be in critical condition right now um, in ICU at Vanderbilt. And there's a GoFundMe page, as a matter of fact, online, if you want to contribute to that as well. The one of the things, uh, you know, I was really impressed with, I had a chance, they had a press conference um, with uh, Christian Abercrombie's parents. Um, and I tell you what, his mother, Stacy Abercrombie, is so strong. You can Google this press conference. I think this press conference it was sent to me actually by Tennessee State Sports Information. So I'm not sure if the press, I believe the press conference should be somewhere online because you had um, some publications that actually quoted some of the things that uh, Stacey Abercrombie said in this press conference. So you could probably Google it. But you, you want to talk about strong people? Stacey Abercrombie is extremely strong here. Her son is fighting for his life and she has so much faith. I mean, more faith than than almost anybody that I've ever seen. Faith in God, faith that Christian will pull through this thing. He's he's made some signs of uh, of progress, but there's still a long way to go. As a matter of fact, um, one of the reports that I read or a couple of the reports that I read that he was, um, as a matter of fact, had responded to some gospel music, responded positively. So his he, he continues to make some progress. There's still a long way to go. And I would invite you to Google um, this particular press conference. She is so strong. Just talked about Christian and his, you know, his playing days. He actually transferred. I think it was at Illinois uh, before he came to Tennessee State and just really talked about her faith, her family's faith, Christian's faith. And I mean, uh, I, 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 you know, just I can't believe how strong she is, particularly. Uh, but then again, I can believe how strong she is because she has that faith in God. But what what she must be dealing with and just the press conference that that, uh, 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 you know, to be able to speak at that press conference and be able to speak eloquently and uh, clearly um, with all of that running through her mind. I was super impressed by that. So I invite you to check that out on line your participation. So, again, we're going to send we're going to say continue to pray. And I want you to continue, continue to pray for Christian Abercrombie. Your participation here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We want you to participate here on the program. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to all of those listening to us on all of our outstanding affiliates around the country that carry From the Press Box to Press Row. I mean, so many great affiliates. If you look in the triangle in, in the uh, Durham, uh, Raleigh area, uh, Buzz Sports Radio carries the program. Of course, our only original affiliate, uh, Power, or well, it's WAUG 750 carries the program in Raleigh. Um, I mean, you look at uh, KAZI in Austin, Texas. WGBN's been carrying the program since 2008 in Pittsburgh. You look at WWIL in Wilmington, North Carolina, and we continue to pray for those um, affected by Hurricane Florence and, and especially those affected uh, by Florence, those uh, in Wilmington, that Wilmington, New Bern area, that uh, down uh, that area down in southeast Raleigh. So many great radio stations around the country that carry the program. Can't mention them all. We'll try, you know, to give shots out when we can. Uh, thank you to those listening to us. On Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142, and those listening to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. You know, we're less than two weeks away from the start of the NBA season. And when I think about last season and the offseason with respect to the NBA and all of the different scenarios that were playing out via free agency or otherwise, it wasn't as eventful in offseason this year I would say as it was last year 
Obviously, you had the LeBron James signing to the Lakers. You know, you had some other moves, but nothing like, I think, what we saw on last year. And and, in watching, not really watching, but watching some of the highlights of the NBA preseason. It's sort of, I don't know, it's, it's weird in a sense to see LeBron James in a Lakers uniform. Now, I'm sure I'm going to get used to it. It, it. To me, it's a little bit different seeing him in a Lakers uniform than it was seeing him in a Miami uniform. I just think because he was much younger, you're talking about going all the way back to 2010. He was um, still in his 20s at that time. So it, it, it's interesting. But I tell you what, you know, I, I'm excited to see once Lonzo Ball returns, Brandon Ingram, and again, I know it's just preseason, but Brent, but that's going to build confidence for a guy like Brandon Ingram in his third season who's been trying to sort of find his way with this young team. But now, you know, he it looks like he may be the piece, the other real scoring threat, the other really big piece to this Lakers team. LeBron James going to make him a lot better. Just kind of weird right now in terms of the preseason seeing LeBron in a Lakers uniform, but it is what it is. He's going to be there, what, four years at least. So uh, I guess I got to get used to it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the NBA season. Some of the other storylines, I mean, there's many storylines. Can Golden State repeat as champions? Uh, they add Boogie Cousins. Once he comes back, it's a luxury. Remember, they've added Boogie Cousins for $5 million. That's it. They're only paying him this year $5 million. Uh, apparently, no team was interested in, in in obtaining his services, so he'll play on the one-year contract, get himself healthy, and then get ready for that next big-money payday. So can Golden State repeat? I mean, I think you know the, the Lakers definitely got better, and, and, and Laker fans should not expect and I've talked to a couple of Laker fans I mean they're not expecting the Lakers to win the championship nor should they expect the Lakers to win the championship it's still a young team that team still has to gel with LeBron it's still a young uh, most of the other pieces outside of LeBron are young although they've added you know JaVale McGee and and and, and some veteran pieces on one-year deals that could that are going to be able to help right away because they have that experience but I'm interested in seeing that I'm interested in seeing how Carmelo Anthony is going to fit into the Clippers what the Clippers are trying to do I think that Anthony still has something a little bit of something left in the tank I mean I really do and I think he may be that piece to get the Clipper I, I don't know you know, I, I don't think he's going to be able to be that piece to get the Clippers over the hump in terms of beating Golden State. The Clippers had every opportunity to do that last year. I realized that Chris Paul went down. They were up three games to two, um, the closeout game, and Paul goes down, and then ultimately the Warriors win it. Um, if Paul were healthy, would the, would gold, uh, would uh, the Clippers have won it? Possibly, but I mean, I, I'm not going to discount the Warriors and all that they've been able to achieve over the years. So, I mean, the bottom line now is we're less than two weeks away from the start of the NBA season and very much looking forward to the NBA season and all of the storylines that the NBA presents. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we're going to talk with Florida A&M head football coach Willie Simmons, former quarterback at Clemson. Want to get his thoughts on the Clemson situation. Also, more of From the Press Box to Press Row on the other side. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Still to come here on from the press box to press row, Florida A&M head football coach Willie Simmons. Want to get back to the Tennessee State and Vanderbilt game. Tennessee State remains number one in the box to row HBCU coaches and media polls. And I mean, rightfully so. They lose that game 31 to 27. They were 2-0 last week. Um, they were number one, and I think that rightfully show, so they should have been number one. It was a split vote. As a matter of fact, amongst the coaches, you had 
obviously Tennessee State receiving the most votes, followed by A&T, and then one vote apiece uh, for Prairie View A&M and Alcorn State, which I think also, I mean, you can make an argument for both of those uh, teams as well. So we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. I want to start um, in terms of talking about last week's game. I want to start with talking about the State Fair Classic in Dallas, an annual event, one of the bigger HBCU football classics. They had in excess of 47,000 um, at that game at the Cotton Bowl. As Prairie View A&M downed Grambling 22-16. to It had been quite a while since Prairie View A&M had gotten the best of Grambling. I think you have to go back to 2013. And, you know, I'd been saying that I thought right now at this moment, or not right this moment, but going back for the last couple of weeks, that I thought Prairie View A&M was the best team in the Western Division. Their offense, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you look at Dewanya Tucker, the running back. He's had a couple of 200-yard games this year. You look at Jalen Morton, last week's box to row, National Player of the Week, 511 yards of total offense and a big victory by Prairie View A&M over Arkansas Pine Bluff. I mean, there's a reason. I mean, I thought they would win this game. Um, I, I think they rambling is still trying to find itself, especially on the offensive side of the football. They they operate with two quarterbacks. And as the old saying goes, when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. And it's not a knock. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you had, you know, a an All-America quarterback, meaning Grambling, for the last couple of years. So it's sort of hard to now come in and, it, you know, and hope to have duplicate some of that same success and it's just not happening right now um you know you look at alden clark and jeremy hickbottom both of those guys have um for the entire season they both both of them have taken reps gramlin to this point had won the games that it was supposed to win but they ran up against a really good prairie view a&m teams uh, again talked about this last week on the program you look at what prairie view a&m has done so far this season losing the uh game uh, a walk-off field goal if you will to rice and fbs opponents th- opponent 31 to 28 they come back next week in the meac swag challenge and pretty much handle north carolina central lose the following week to sam houston state a perennial power in fcs but they scored a bunch of points they lose to unlv the week after that um again scored a bunch of points in that game showed themselves well really in that game then the blowout against uapb so they were they were primed to win this football game against uh grambling and and listen uh you know this is a Prairie View A&M, a Panther program that has really liked to run the football. Um, and the running game was okay this week. You know, Tucker didn't get off as he's done in weeks past. 19 carries for 72 yards, but he was effective in the pass game as the Panthers rushed for 137 yards as a team. But Jalen Morton continues to impress. 23 of 34, 269 yards, three touchdowns, had one interception. And, oh, by the way, he utilized his back in Dewanya Tucker, three receptions, 89 yards, one touchdown, had the touchdown for 80 yards. But I think more impressively with respect to the Panthers was its defense, was their defense. You know, I talked about this on the show last week that um, we knew that Prairie View A&M had the offense. It was the defense that was a question mark. I'd always said this year that I think the defense is better this year than it was last year, but I'm not, you know, I don't know how good the defense is. Yeah, Grambling may not be that offensive juggernaut that it's been in years past, but to be able to hold Grambling to just 42 yards rushing and in the game, um, when you look at overall 311 yards of total offense. I think that is pretty good, particularly in today's college football game where, you know, at one time when you were holding a an offense under 300 yards of total offense, you were really doing something. Now, if you're holding a team under 320, you know, 330 yards of total offense, it's pretty good these days. So you had to be super impressed with Prairie View A&M from a defensive perspective. Willie Green in the game, three and a half tackles for loss. He also had two and a half sacks. And uh, Anthony Parker, the defensive back 
for Prairie View A&M really, really continues to impress, really continues to impress and is having a, a solid season. There's a box to roll All-America preseason coming into the season. And so a big win by Prairie View A&M. Of course, they had they hold their own destiny in their hands right now. Um, if you're uh, talking about them in terms of winning the Western Division, yes, they still have Southern to play. They still have a lot of teams to play. But I think they, you know, I said it, I thought that they they were already the front runner coming into that um into that uh into the not to the season but you know the last couple of weeks you know just to me they were the team to beat and now they've sort of they've gone taken it a step further to solidify that again with still a lot of games remaining and southern still on the schedule as well let's get back to that vanderbilt and tennessee state game uh tennessee state falling in that game 31 to 27 tennessee state had to come back they came back from 24 down 24 to 13 in the third quarter they took the lead 27 to 24 ultimately Vanderbilt scored late took the lead or regained the lead at 31 to 27 and then um, unfortunately for Tennessee State they had another couple of opportunities but just could not you know they got close I think they got to their to the 30 yard to the Vanderbilt 30 yard line to try and regain the lead late in the game and I uh, just was not able to get it done. But if you're Tennessee State, um, you know, you're looking at this game. And, and I think the HBCU world is looking at this game as, um, you know, there's no such things as you no know, such thing really as, um, you know, a, a, a sentimental win, if you will, a, a win that really doesn't happen. But you play well. But at the end of the day, this is a Tennessee State team that. I realize Vanderbilt may not be a great program, but at the end of the day, they play in a Power 5 conference. Matter of fact, not only do they play in a Power 5 conference, they probably play in the best conference in all of college football in the SEC. Are they a great team? No, but if you can play a Power 5 team and have the lead late, okay, in the game, only to fall in that game, that's pretty good. I mean, that's really, really saying something. I mean, I think that speaks volumes to um, to really uh, not only HBCU football and more specifically uh, HBCU football amongst the FCS institutions, but it also speaks, to, in my opinion, to FCS football. I mean, that's a big, you know, listen, they didn't win the game, but that's big. I mean, to be able to um, take an SEC opponent to the wire I mean, that 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 is really, really saying something. So you got to give Tennessee State a lot of credit and the coaches and the media in the box to row polls gave Tennessee State that credit. Um, and again, they they ranked number one this week, um, you know, followed by North Carolina A&T and then Prairie View A&M moves up in the polls as well. You know, I, I tell you what, um Prairie View is playing some pretty good football, but Alcorn State is playing some pretty good football, too. Alcorn State defeated Southern 20-3 on the road. That game was in Baton Rouge, and not only was that game in Baton Rouge, it was homecoming. That's a huge, huge, huge victory, okay, a huge victory uh, for Alcorn State. Again, Prairie View A&M, I mentioned the fact that they still have to play Southern. Well, guess what? They played Southern on Saturday, and that game is going to be at home for Prairie View A&M, and then um, two weeks from next week, so three weeks essentially from this past weekend, Alcorn State, Prairie View A&M going to get together. That game going to be played in Prairie View, and that could definitely be a preview for this year's SWAC championship game. But again, give Alcorn State a lot of credit. Noah Johnson playing well, the quarterback. You know, I get on the conference calls um, on Monday, the SWAC calls, the coaches calls, and, you know, Fred McNair's not happy with the way that his team is playing. Even though they won 20-3, he knows that they can do better, and he knows that Prairie View A&M is on the horizon. And then, of course, the SWAC championship game is on the horizon as well. So he definitely wants his team to play better. But I think, you know, a 23 to 20 to three victory over Southern um, is a good win. Again, P.J. Simmons running the football well, but more impressively with Alcorn State is its defense. Alcorn State's defense has suffered the last couple of years. It has not been good, uh, but 
but it's better. It's much better. And again, it showed uh, it showed that it was true in the victory over Southern again on the road. Morehouse continues to remain undefeated. Morehouse, you know, again, another big win for Morehouse. I mean, you know, Morehouse just continues to win. They're the only undefeated team in HBCU football, a duplicate score to the game that they had last week in Chicago, in the Chicago Football Classic when they defeated Miles. Um, And, again, this time around, duplicate score. They defeat Kentucky State 23-21. Morehouse continues to remain undefeated. Bowie State finally able to beat Winston-Salem State 20-17. We've seen this, this particular rivalry play out. Um, the last couple of years in the CIAA championship game. As a matter of fact, if my memory serves me correctly, in the last two CI, it was in the last two CIAA championship games, um, Winston Salem State has won both of those games, I believe, by three points. Um, so uh, for Bowie State to be able to get this victory, they're now four and one on the season. It was a big win, or yeah, four and one on the season was a big win over Winston Salem State, who is now zero and two in the conference. Meanwhile, Bowie State moves to 2-0. Another impressive win. Florida A&M defeating North Carolina Central 55-14 in this game. Ryan Stanley was named the Box to Row National Player of the Week. A phenomenal performance. 13 of 18. Um, He threw for in excess of 250 yards. He had four touchdowns and no interceptions in the game as Florida A&M continues to impress so much so now they're ranked in the box to row uh, media poll. They were already ranked in the box to row coaches poll, but now they're ranked in the box to row media poll. More importantly, seems like a long time ago that lost to Jackson state. Um, it was just what, three weeks ago or so, but more importantly for Florida A&M, they remain undefeated in conference play in MEAC play and looking at them. And they're not looking ahead obviously, but they got a big showdown in Greensboro in two weeks against North Carolina a&T. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, FAMU head football coach Willie Simmons. The Florida A&M Rattlers are 3-2 and two on the season, currently ranked number 8 in the Box to Row coaches poll and in his first season as the head football coach of the Rattlers is Willie Simmons. He joins us here on the program. Coach Simmons, welcome back to the program. Uh, glad to be on. Yeah, let me start here. So, um, you know, talking with you a little bit off mic, of course, it is homecoming. And um, so, I mean, you, all the stars are coming in, Trick Daddy and all the stars. I mean, that's got to be pretty cool. <laughs> it is. It really is. And, uh, of course, you know, family's homecoming it is right up past the state of Florida. So, yeah, all the way from Pensacola, all the way down to Miami, uh, they show up this week. So, you know, it was great to see uh, Trick Daddy. You know, Luke's been around. And uh, it's always great to have those guys come around and support the program. Oh, wow. Okay, Luke was around as well. That's pretty cool, man. Um, so, you know, it was great meeting. I mean, as all the years we've been talking, the first time we actually had a chance to meet was at the, you know, the MEAC Media Day and uh, back in, in, in July. And um, so I just want to kind of get your thoughts um, on the season to this point with you guys being 3-2. and two. Norfolk State does come um, to Bragg Stadium, but you're 3-2 and two and have won two straight games. Well, you know, again, anytime you take over a program, uh, especially one that hasn't necessarily performed at the level that that we come to expect around here at FAMU, uh, it's always a, a tough challenge to get the guys to to you know you hate to use the, the cliche term of buy in, um, but when we when we came in, we told the guys that you know we'll win games when everyone um, buys into what we're doing, and that's just focusing on the little things, doing things the right way, being accountable to one another. You know, we have seven words in our program. Um, that all begin with the letter F. Ironically, uh, that we that we preach, and uh, when we do those things, uh, we feel like we'll be successful. And in the last couple of weeks, we've really done a good job of, of, of putting all the things together. And the guys are really playing great football right now. And um, you know, but we'll need to continue to do that because, as you alluded to, Norfolk State's also playing extremely well, being three and one. And, uh, you know, being tied for the conference lead with us right now. Yeah, definitely. So let me the, the take us through. 
you know, take us through that Jackson State game. A bit of a surprise, you know, I think to me and to, to others. Not that Jackson State isn't a good team, but, I mean, you know, you guys sort of on a roll. I know you were coming off the loss to Troy, but beat Fort Valley State um, pretty good. Take us take us through that game against Jackson State and kind of, uh, you know, maybe what didn't go right for you guys in that game. When you look at it on the stat sheet, I mean, we dominated the stat sheet. We had more passing yards, had more rushing yards, had a higher percentage of third-down conversions. Um, but we fumbled the ball inside the red zone. The first time we got the ball, drove right down the field and put the ball on the ground, turned it over inside the five. Um, you know, we had a, a fumble uh, punt return, you know, and, and, and backed up that they uh, recovered and got points off of. Um, you know, we had, I think, 15 penalties for, you know, 180-something yards, uh, which, again, is just an astronomical number of penalties. So just we're never able to get into a rhythm. And then even with all that being said, you know, we were able to get the ball down to the three-yard line, um, you know, with, with a little bit of time left on the clock. And because of some poor clock management on my part, some poor decision-making on the part of, um, you know, a couple of players in those critical situations, you know, we weren't able to get the field goal team on the field in time. But um, I, I really do think that in every great program that has a transition from being an underachiever to being a top dog, there's that uh, that, that game that you can all look back on and say that was a turning point. And, and I think for us, hopefully, that the Jackson State game was that turning point because the team really could have <clears throat> divided after that game. To have a close loss, to have me, you know, make a questionable call that the players could have questioned. Um, we could have easily divided, but it, I think it really brought the guys closer together. It really tested our character, and uh, the guys really responded in a positive way. And I think that's why we played a lot better football over the last couple of weeks because of that loss to Jackson State. Yeah, no, it's a great point because, I mean, conversely, and in, into in transition from talking about Jackson State to talking about the win over North Carolina Central. I mean, and, and again, this game was in Durham, 55-14. to 14. I don't think many, as much as I and many people didn't see the Jackson State loss coming, I don't know if people saw... Um, not the fact that you beat Central, but the way you beat Central in Durham. You know, talk about that game. And, of course, Ryan Stanley, our Boxer Road National Player of the Week, would have gained 13 of 18, 254 yards passing, four touchdowns and no interceptions. Well, you know, again, going into Durham, um, after the second half we played against Savannah State, where we really dominated that half, um, you know, the guys really did a great job of continuing that momentum. And uh, we started the game fast. They, they punched one in the first drive. Um, caught a couple of deep balls on our freshman cornerback, and I uh, was able to punch the first touchdown in. But uh, again, our guys didn't—they didn't panic. You know, they didn't start, uh, you know, doing uncharacteristic things. They stayed true to course, and you know, offensively, we scored. I had a big kick return to get us across the fifty. Two plays later, we were able to hit Marcus Williams on a post ball for a touchdown, uh, and then the defense really, really put the hammer down after that. Willie Simmons in his first season as the head football coach at Florida A&M joins us here. I'm from the press box to press row. Again, Ryan Stanley, an elite type of quarterback. 65% of his passes completed, 1,083 yards, eight touchdowns, and four interceptions. Talk about his play, but I think one of the things that I'm also noticing, at least from a statistical standpoint, is that he's running with the football less. Have you? Is it by design that he's more in the pocket and, and running less because you know, in years past when he's run the football, he's done damage against some teams. Well, you know, again, I think um, one of the things that you're always critical of or careful of, rather, uh, is that you don't let your quarterback take unnecessary hits. And, uh, you know, we have a stable of running backs right now um, that can all tote the mail. You know, we, we, each of those guys have shown throughout points this year that they can be effective running the football. And uh, and so, you know, we don't want to call many design quarterback runs with Ryan you know, for the simple fact that we have guys that can carry the football. We have dynamic playmakers outside. And so when you have those type of guys on the field, you know, the quarterback doesn't have to necessarily win it. And uh, whenever you run the quarterback a bunch, uh, I think you're putting a lot of, on his plate to, you know, be an effective thrower, be an effective runner. And there's some guys that are doing a phenomenal job of that, Kayla Newton being one of them up there, Howard. But, you know, we want to try to eliminate those hits on Ryan because he has shown that when he's comfortable in the pocket, uh, he can sit in there and, and, you know, really make accurate throws. He set the single-season completion record last year uh, a little over 63%, and he's, he's right now, of course, exceed that this year. So uh, playing really good football right now, playing very efficient ball, getting the ball to the playmakers, you know, putting the ball in spots away from the defenders, and uh, he's really, really given us a great chance to be successful on offense because of his efficiency. What are your concerns? Talk to me a little bit about Norfolk State, maybe some of the concerns you have for the Spartans who are playing equally as well. 
Well, you know, again, I, I, I wouldn't say they're concerns. Um, they're a good football team. You know, I have a ton of respect for Latrell Scott, um, their head football coach, and you can see that after being up for four years, he's finally put a team together of his guys. They play with his identity. You know, they play fast. They play physical. Um, again, they, they get after you. And so um, I, I think it'll be a great challenge for our guys because, again, you, you want to say to be the best, you got to beat the best. And right now, um, they're playing as good as anybody in the league. And so, uh, you know, but, again, we, we have a saying here that is really we focus on us. You know, we control the things that we can control, and uh, that's how we prepare. Um, that's what type of focus and attention to detail we have. And, um, you know, and, and it, again, being a week that is homecoming and all the distractions that's come along with it, we have to make sure that we're mentally locked in so that when Norfolk does roll in here on Saturday at 4 o'clock, that we're more prepared to play than they are. And I think it's a team that will be the most prepared that handles all the adversity that goes along in the football game and that doesn't turn the ball over and have the self-inflicted wounds. That will have the best chance to come out of the game successful. And you know, hopefully we prepare this week to make sure that we're that football team. Being a guy that's from the Tallahassee area, one that almost played um, at Florida A&M, how are you getting? How are you really getting settled into not only this program but being back at home, if you will? Well, the good thing is I haven't really had time to get settled. I mean, as soon as we started, I mean, it's been a whirlwind, and uh, from from hitting the road and fundraising uh, to recruiting to to going through spring ball, um, you know, going to coaching clinics and doing things of that nature to try to better myself as a coach. Uh, I really haven't had time to quote unquote get settled in, but that's the way I like it. You know, again, I, I think whenever you take over a program such as Florida A and M that has such rich history and tradition, uh, if you get complacent, uh, you'll be in trouble. And uh, so the, with all the running that I'm doing, you know, trying to, like I said, raise money for the program, trying to recruit the best possible student athletes that we can that we can recruit uh, to be the play caller, primary play caller here on offense, and uh, get this team to a level that they haven't seen in a long time. And then lastly, for Willie Simmons, the head football coach at Florida A&M, we appreciate the time. I mean, and one of the things I didn't even know, well, I knew you, obviously I knew you played you know, quarterback at Clemson, but you graduated in three years. I did not know that prior to this. Um, but I, I want to get your thoughts on the situation uh, with the quarterback situation, quite frankly, at, uh, at Clemson. Uh, well, you know, again, I, I, I see it from both sides. Um, as a player, um, I can empathize with Kelly Bryant. <laughs> I was actually um, same thing. You know, I was a starting quarterback at Clemson back in 2002. Uh, started eight games that year as a junior, and uh, you know, I was replaced by Charlie Whitehurst, who was a redshirt freshman at the time um, in the last four games of the season. And so, I made the decision after the season um, and after spring ball to transfer out. And so I, I definitely understand what Kelly Bryant is saying. Now, I didn't lead Clemson to a, a, a college football playoff. Um, I didn't lose one game as a starter like he has. Um, but, again, you know, I was the starting quarterback there. So whenever you lose your job, um, you know, there is a personal feeling that, you know, you're being treated unjustly. And I think that's human nature. So I definitely see Kelly Bryant's side, but also see, you know, Dabo's side. And as a head coach, you know, you, you have that tough job of trying to, do what's best for your players individually, but ultimately do what's best for your football team. And a lot of times those two things don't coincide. And so if as a staff they feel like, you know, Trevor Lawrence gives them the best chance to be successful, then that's what they have to do. And, again, there are going to be a lot of people that disagree with it. There are going to be a lot of people that don't understand it. Uh, but that's why that's why you're in that position. You have to make those tough decisions. Um, somebody's always going to be unhappy with the decision. One of the players is going to be unhappy because I'm sure Trevor Lawrence felt that he should be the starting quarterback, just like I'm sure Kelly Bryant felt he should be. So quarterback's that one position that only one guy can start. You can try to shuffle two guys, but at the end of the day, you can only start one guy. You can only give one guy the majority of the reps. And obviously they felt that Kelly Bryant was the one that gives them the best chance to, to be successful moving forward. So, you know, it's a, it's a delicate situation because there are a lot of, you know, whenever you're in a state like South Carolina or Florida or Georgia in the South where football or anywhere really for that matter, where football is such a huge part of, of what you do, um, those type of decisions will always, you know, send shockwaves throughout the community. So, um, but again, I commend, you know, everybody involved. Kelly Bryant, you know, said his piece. You know, he's handled the situation as, as as good as I think a person in his position could do. Um, but also, I think Dabo and his staff have done a great job of handling the situation. And even Trevor Lawrence, because at the end of the day, he's probably the one that's having to deal with the most because as the guy that replaced him, um, you know, he's not he has, he now has the pressure of winning football games on his shoulder. And so, uh, again, uh, you know, I, I think people just need to kind of 
take their personal feelings out of it sometimes and just understand that there is a and I hate to say business side, but there is a, a side that where there are decisions that have to be made that, again, aren't going to please everyone. And you cannot please everyone when it comes to coaching college football. And uh, But you just have to do what you think is best for the team ultimately. And then, you know, if, within that, try to help each individual out the best they can. And I think with them allowing Kelly Bryant to redshirt this year and transfer out, uh, what's the best option that they can do for him because he, he now gets to at least enjoy his senior season somewhere else if he wants to indeed play college football again. So, um, but you know, I love my alma mater. I support them 100%. Um, I support, you know, all the things that are going on. And, um, aside from that, you know, again, I want to definitely send my condolences, uh, to <clears throat> the family of CJ Fuller, uh, one of their former players, um, you know, who ultimately lost his life last night, um, at the, at the young age of 22, I think. So, um, not, I'm not sure of the circumstances behind his passing, but um, you know he was part of the Clemson family. I'm a part of the Clemson family, and whenever we lose one of our own, it's definitely uh, a devastating blow. So um, you know, to me, that I think about that a lot more now than, the, than that situation. I just wanted to make sure I, you know, said that so everyone who uh, is a praying person, you know, keep CJ Fuller and the Clemson family uh, in your prayers. Yeah, very well said. Uh, of course, Willie Simmons is the head football coach at Florida A&M. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Rattlers going to be in action. It is homecoming in Tallahassee as they are going to host Norfolk State. Coach Simmons, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Rattlers. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Go Rattlers. Been a little while since a Norfolk State Florida A&M game has had some meaning, but certainly this one on Saturday in Tallahassee has a lot. The final segment's up. Next, it's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row. The biggest names are guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. You know, um, we've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused. Yeah, and I was really um, ready and serious. Just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real. Relevant. Radio. This is your weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware. First, let me take you to Albany, Georgia, for the game between Miles and Albany State. We go to the fourth quarter with Albany State having the 21-17 lead. Gabriel Bellinas, 41-yard field goal with 11-15 remaining in the fourth, extended Albany State's lead to 24-17. Then, with about eight and a half minutes remaining in the fourth quarter, Albany State opened up the lead some more. Williams going to run the quarterback keeper. Flies Williams, and he's in there. Touchdown. And, boy, that's how you use your blocking. That was my main man, Freddie Fresh Shuttles, on the Albany State Sports Radio Network. 11-yard touchdown run by Williams put Albany State ahead 30-17. They would go on to defeat Miles 30-24. Albany State now 2-0 in conference play. Now to Nashville, Tennessee for a game between city schools, Vanderbilt and Tennessee State. The game was played at Vanderbilt Stadium. We move all the way to early in the second quarter with no score. Croft back to pass, blitz for the Commodores. Croft's running it around the right side. He's got his man. This time he will find him. That is Stephen Newbold. Touchdown, TSU. From five yards out and the Tigers led seven to nothing. But the Commodores would come right back. A four-yard touchdown pass from Kyle Shermer to Jared Pinckney tied the game at four apiece. Then Tennessee State would once again take the lead. He's got Harris in motion to the left inside the fake handoff. Croft, he gets it to Harris across the middle, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. Touchdown, TSU Tigers, 31 yards, Treon Harris. The extra point attempt failed, but... Tennessee State held the 13-7 lead. 
We move now to the third quarter as Tennessee State would find itself down 24 to 13. A DeMarco Corbin two-yard touchdown run with 6.35 remaining pulled the Tigers to within 24 to 20. And Tennessee State would take the lead on a one-yard touchdown pass from Croft to Andrew Knox. And TSU had the 27 to 24 lead. Ultimately, Vanderbilt would come back. And a Shermer 68-yard touchdown pass to Kalija Lipscomb put Vanderbilt over the top. They would go on to defeat Tennessee State 31-27. to That audio courtesy of the Big Blue Sports Network, Greg Pogue on the call. We also want to send our condolences to Christian Abercrombie, linebacker for the Tennessee State Tigers, who was seriously injured in that football game. Now, to Dallas, Texas. For the State Fair Classic between Prairie View A&M and Grambling, we pick things up in the fourth quarter with Prairie View A&M leading 6 to nothing. Green pass. Tucker, 25, 30, 35, 40. It's a foot race. And the one, yay, Tucker, 30, 20, 10. Touchdown, Prairie View A&M. 80-yard screen pass from Morton to Tucker. That put the Panthers up 12 to nothing. Grambling would roar all the way back as we now move to the fourth quarter. And Grambling trailing 22 to 16 and on the move. Kick by the throws right and it is intercepted by Juice Parker at the 10, 15. Slides down there and Juice Parker, the Dallas native, with the interception that seals the deal on a Prairie View A&M win in the State Fair Classic. Dwayne Lewis on the PVAMU Sports Network. Prairie View A&M goes on to defeat Grambling 22-16 and evens its record at 3-3 three and three on the season. Now let me take you to Glendale, Arizona. Rosen with a play fake. Rosen setting up, looking. Still looking. Now fires left side. Low pass in the end zone. But it is caught. And it's a touchdown by Chad Williams. First NFL touchdown. The former Boxer All-American Chad Williams. His first touchdown reception of his career. The former Grambling star and the Cardinals fell to the Seahawks 20-17. to That audio courtesy of the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Dave Pash on the call. And in Chicago. Cohen lined up left outside the numbers. Now he's pulled into the left of the quarterback, Trubisky. Slot right. Snap back. Protection good again. Trubisky finds Cohen at the two. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The former Boxster National Offensive Player of the Year, Tariq Cohen, with his first touchdown of the season as the Bears went on to route Tampa Bay 48 to 10. That was Jeff Joniak on the Chicago Bears radio network. From the press box to press row, the radio show airs weekly on radio stations across the country. For more information, log on to boxtorow.com. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. In the last segment, joined by Florida A&M head football coach Willie Simmons. If you have any thoughts on anything that he had to say, you can hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. We're going to take a look at this weekend's or this Saturday's scoreboard and you know, Norfolk State and Florida A&M, a big game. One of the other big games in HBCU football is that 83rd Tuskegee-Morehouse Classic going to be played in Columbus, Georgia. Morehouse and Tuskegee. And Morehouse has earned every bit of its 5-0 record this year. They've had a couple of really close games. They had the game-winning touchdown throw with no time on the clock against Miles in the Chicago Football Classic going back a couple of weeks ago that gave them the win. So they're, you know, two-point win, 23-21 to last week against Kentucky State. So they are doing what needs to be done to win football games. This is going to be a big test because you're talking about a Tuskegee team that right now, I mean, they're, they're you know, they're three and two, uh, and they want to be higher than where they are right now and probably feel like they should be, probably feel like they should have won the Alabama State game to start the season. 
And this is going to be, I think, a true test for Morehouse. Now, if Morehouse passes this test, they're 5-0. Um, you know, I thought Miles was a really good test. Some of the other teams, maybe not as much. You want don't want to take anything away from Morehouse because at the end of the day, they're winning games and they're playing football games. But if they can beat this Tuskegee team, then it's really saying something because at the end of the day, in the SIAC's Eastern Division, Morehouse, you know, at least in my mind and in a lot of the voters' minds, was sort of an afterthought. It was all about what Benedict and Albany State and Fort Valley State, uh, what those three teams were going to do this year. But now you have to add Morehouse to that equation. And a win over Tuskegee certainly will help them um, be able to uh, continue that role. They still have some tough games remaining, but they would remain undefeated. And now you're talking about a Morehouse team that has that confidence behind certainly the play of their quarterback, Michael Sims, who's done a phenomenal job this year. Wow, what a game that's going to be in Columbus, Georgia. I'm sure they're expecting a big crowd down there. This game hasn't meant a whole lot in more recent years per se. Tuskegee obviously has been right there. Tuskegee, not so much, but excuse me, Tuskegee's been right there. Morehouse, not so much, but now with Morehouse playing so well and Tuskegee still needing a, a, a win with with a three and two record, that game means a whole lot more. Howard in North Carolina Central, this game going to be played in Durham. You're looking for the Eagles to really bounce back after, frankly, an embarrassing loss to Florida A&M, 55 to 14. Not so much that they lost the game, but the score by which they lost the football game. Howard coming off a bye week. Kalen Newton is having a phenomenal season. He's got great receivers. Um, the defense is is starting to. This defense really for Howard has playmakers. And Howard again coming off a bye week. Looking to come into Durham and uh, really get back into MEAC play. And this is an important game really for both teams. I would say more so for North Carolina Central who now has a loss in the MEAC. But should be a good football game there in Durham. And wow, the Eagles got to be able to bounce back because you're talking about a Howard team that's coming there. You you know, you had Florida A&M who... I, I would say that Howard is probably more high-powered offensively than is Florida A&M. And so now you're talking about a high-powered, another high-powered offense. But I think Central makes some adjustments in this game. Um, but it, listen, a, 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 an important game for both. Uh, but certainly I think for North Carolina Central, more important now down one game in the MEAC. For all of the games this weekend, log on to our website, boxtorow.com, and take a look at the scoreboard. Got to get ready to wrap it up here on the program. Want to thank Florida A&M head football coach Willie Simmons for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at boxtorow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, and on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. And always remember to support those that support you. From the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. I know.